Hey, I don't know about bees, but I'm feeling 23. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, um, that backfired. (laughs) So uh, Emily was already singing that, and I was like, hold on, save that gold for the podcast. And then I made it work. She was just going to sing, I'm feeling 23, and I was going to yell at her because she fucking missed the boat on that one. She had her opportunity two weeks ago. I did. But then... (laughs) I don't know about bees. <laughs> I'm twenty-three. <laughs> Y'all know about bees? Y'all know anything about bees? <laughs> well, um, hi, hi, guys. What the fuck? <laughs> it's the uh-oh feeling. Emily's very tired. Emily's very tired, and Emily's probably going to die next week. Oh yeah, because on top of us being in Tech Week for live, for live, yep. I'm starting insanity. Wait, really? Yeah. I hate you waited. You fucking waited to tell me this. <laughs> Surprise. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Are you doing it with anybody or are you yeah, just Yeah, two of my coworkers. Nice. Six AM. Well, um, feel free to tweet at Emily, um, or send an email to uh oh gravy at gmail dot com. Um with, you know, just like what you would write in her obituary. Yeah. Um, what you would like to see her put on her gravestone. Um, yeah. Just her, just well wishes for me because I will have lost a podcast partner. Wow. I just assume that everyone dies who does that. Like, wow. I can't even imagine it. Because I have callbacks tomorrow. Yes, for a musical. For a musical. And then I start Insanity on Monday. We have the baking night Monday night. Oh, yeah. We start tech on Tuesday. I will still be doing Insanity. How long is Insanity going 30 for? 30 days. 30 whole damn days. And then by the time I finish Insanity, I will possibly be in rehearsals for the musical. So that's a whole thing. That's a whole damn thing. So if you hear from me by June 11th, which we should have had at least two episodes released by then. Yes. You should congratulate her on living that long. Yes. <laughs> Look at me go. Um, speaking of things that are dead... Uh, listeners, <laughs> it's my voice. I'm so sorry. What um, a segue. I apologize. <laughs> it was so smooth. Thank you. I've been working on my segues. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, okay, so we did a whole party thing for our friend's birthday on Saturday. We did. And I done fucked right up. Um, she did. I did. Oh, I mean, not in that I puked and died. I super no. didn't. I was like totally fine, but I was out for way too long doing a bunch of stuff I shouldn't have been doing. I was only out for 12 hours. Yeah, I was out for a, a cool 15. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but then not only that, you know, when you go to sleep and like your vocal cords and the rest of your body is supposed to regenerate during REM and like you feel better when you get up, you've been healing. Mine hasn't been doing that because I have had the worst acid reflux of my entire life. I'm just killing it right now. Mm-hmm. So I do apologize um, to me first who has to do the editing on this and then to the listeners uh, if I sound like just extra jacked up. So, yeah. Anything else before we jump right the fuck into some shit? Hey, we made a Facebook page. Oh, yeah! <laughs> that was last week and I've already that forgotten. Was. Look, we made a Facebook page, you guys. We've been talking about it for a million years. If you search the uh-oh feeling Which on please Facebook, do. a whole thing's gonna pop up. Yeah, it's us. It's us, and we even made a video that we definitely only did in one take. We definitely did it in one take, and, mm-hmm. and definitely not four. Mm, or five. Mm, don't worry about it. And definitely not in my bathroom at one point, which you will never see. Look, her shower curtain is nice. It is. Anyway, finding a backdrop is hard. Yeah, there's a bunch of pictures of us and people we've... Yeah, our pets, people we've had on the podcast uh, so far, just cat right now and not even her face. So, yeah, if you want to like that page, we would really love it. You can rate us on there. You can, and I found that that's a new source of anxiety when I see that come through saying, someone left a comment or Uh, someone left a rating. Yeah. I'm like, oh, God. Like, oh, shit. Uh, so far, all so good. But still, we're uh, worried. I the newest one. I'm so sorry, guys. That's uh, just... I think it was just Shell. So to oh, be honest, cool. yeah, our friend Michelle left a rating. So thank you, Shell. Thanks, Shell. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you want to do that, you can. Um, we're going to be 
uploading stuff. I think we should, in addition to obviously uploading every episode that comes out, so you have kind of a one-stop shop there. Um, we should think, put old episodes on there. We're definitely going to make sort of an album of like old episodes and where you can find all the links. And then we also, I'm thinking we should just be posting stuff that we find interesting about survival stories. If we find ones we don't want to do, but think people should know about. Yeah. You can probably post things, post things to there. Like, I don't mind. I don't, I don't know. As long as this it's is, not like super weird. Right. Like, like it's not a big thing yet. List but. like links to porn sites i yeah, guess please don't try to sell us jeans don't spam bot us yeah um we don't like that shit um and oh and also just like don't be racist sexist or homophobic and we're like super good okay? cool okay thanks um but otherwise yeah we would love it if you would go there and uh like us and tell us what you think yeah huzzah Woohoo! speaking of um what you think um okay. just you know i'm i'm not actually looking forward to what anybody thinks about what you're about to tell us i I wish it wasn't about to happen. I don't even like what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> Mainly because of the Portuguese. Yeah. Hey guys, I did I did so much Portuguese work on this. She did. She was doing like pronunciations and stuff while I got here. And it's real hard because Portuguese is real dumb. And if you listen... <laughs> now that's an entire language. Maybe let's not. As a non-native Portuguese speaker, it if is... I had to learn this language, it would be, it'd be doable, but it'd be a challenge. Yeah, because, I mean, we have some idea of what, like, Spanish should sound like and what Italian should sound like, what yeah. French should sound like. This sounds different than all of those in a lot of yes. ways. And as someone who is fluent in a romance language, if this stuff starts to come out sounding French, <laughs> I'm so sorry. She apologized. It's not. At all. That's not the intention. In fact, if you listen to enough Portuguese, because there were some news articles with subtitles in English, so I watched them. But if you just listen to it enough, it starts to sound like German after a little while. Great. Sounds like fun. And I don't speak German either. So. <laughs> that wasn't actually helpful then, no. was it? Well, what the fuck, Portuguese? <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to... Oh, God. I already have to start on names. Oofa doofa. I believe in you so much right now. I don't. All right. <laughs> so, Inez Ekcheni Romu. That's my survivor. From now it. on, Inez. Hi, Inez. So, <laughs> in the 1970s, she survived a Brazilian military's house of death. Okay. Called the Casa da Morte. Nice. Yeah. That sounded pretty good, by the way. Thank you. House of Death. Yeah. House of Death. That's probably the only time you're going to hear that one, too. A torture prison in Petropolis, which is near Rio de Janeiro. And now a lot of people should know for, like, the big statue. Right. And the slums. The tallest Jesus. The tallest of Jesuses. (laughs) Now, I am picturing a literal house. Yeah. Should I be? Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Just like a dwelling. It's an actual house. Like, it's oh. a for real house. The military just has a house. I'll get We're into like, that. I'm so weirded out already. So, retired Lieutenant Colonel Paolo Maliales. Oh, that, I heard that one as one you were trying for. It sounded good. A lot. I played yeah. it a lot, guys. Because there's like 80 vowels in there. There's so many vowels. <laughs> So, the House of Death was, they called it a convenience center? That's what a quick trip is. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) You can't just call things that. So, they used it to pressure political prisoners into becoming informants. Because this was during the Brazilian military dictatorship that was in power from 1964 to 1985. And then I have the note, and it was literally a house. Like, I have pictures of it. Okay. It was an, actu- an actual house. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can I just, like, explain a little bit what I'm seeing? Yeah. Will you tilt the screen a little? Okay. Yeah, I mean, looks like a very sort of European-y style house, but it is two stories. Owned by a German man. Oh, yeah. White on top. Sort of, is that a brick on the bottom, looks maybe? like it. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, just, like, regular, I can't really say much more than, like, maybe it's a little Spanish-looking. It's got yeah. like a like a Spanish style. Well, it looks it's in like Brazil, so yeah. So I mean, they have a lot of architectural influences from Spain. Yeah, 
Yeah, there's a definitely a fence around it, but the yeah. fence, the fence has flowers. The fence has flowers. It's like fancy. It's a fancy yeah. fence. I'm assuming that hides barbed wire. Probably. <laughs> Cuz I mean this was literally just on a street. Yeah, I mean in a neighborhood. You got to pretend that shit's normal, I yeah. imagine. Like that's that's got to and they were really careful about, like, how they brought people in. Like, they only normally had, like, one prisoner at a time. And then everyone focused on that one prisoner rather than having, like, all of the people there. Yeah. That sounds really fucked up for that prisoner, though. Yeah. Because just... they had a whole staff dedicated to torture. Ugh. Everybody's just, like, taking turns on you specifically. Yeah. Like, that's their whole day. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, because they wanted to flip people to become informants. And sometimes the prisoners were offered money rather than being tortured. Mm -hmm. But, like, most of the time they just tortured them. That's, um, not great. No. So about my survivor. Inez. So Inez was released from prison by accident. Sort of. Like a technicality or some shit? Sort of, yeah. She tricked her captors into believing that she had accepted the message and had flipped and was now an informant oh so she's just faking it the whole time pretty much and i mean like they did some pretty fucked up shit to make sure like people proved their loyalty of like oh you did actually flip because they tried to make her throw herself under a car to oh. prove that she was loyal how is that helpful to them though if she dies just it's to not like <laughs> it's not i don't think they thought that one through i really don't so, according to BBC, more than 400 people were murdered or disappeared in Brazil between 1964 and 1985. Conveniently, the dates of that military dictatorship oh, while they were in weird. power. Super weird. Huh, it's crazy how that lines up. I never would have thunk. Mm. So, lots of people disappeared, but this house was only responsible for and they can't agree on the number because no one's fessing up to all of the deaths. Yeah, I and mean who they would can't find all the bodies. Ugh. Gotta love so, that. So somewhere between like nineteen to twenty two people died in that house. Woof. And it was running the those <clears throat> that whole time or no, just in the seventies. Just in the seventies, okay. Still like yeah, I imagine it's like weeks of one person. They either die or they flip. Yeah. You take another person in. Oh, God. Yeah. So, literally, like, all of this would have stayed quiet if it weren't for Inez. Sweet. So, some background on Inez. She was a communist militant guerrilla leader of the organization VAR Palmares, which was a Brazilian left-wing organization that participated in the armed struggle during the Brazilian military dictatorship that literally just wanted to overthrow them. So it came out in July of 1969 as a part of some mergers of different parties. And I'm not going to get into all of that. And then she was captured, raped, and tortured for more than three months in the fucked up, a not very good time, very bad house before being thrown out on the streets of Rio, very close to death. So it, it's on the street, Arthur Barbosa, formerly number 668, now apparently number 50, because it is still standing. Oh, wow. They just gave it a totally a different address, and they're yeah. like, good enough. Yeah, it's close. And the first man that they think died in the house was Carlos Alberto Suarez Jefritas, who was a VAR Palmares leader that disappeared in February of 1971. And then the, in May of that same year, a physician testified that he saw tigers in the garden being killed in the living room. What? Yeah. By someone codenamed Dr. Tashira. Codename. Yeah. Who then told him that no one left that house alive. Great. So they did get into the house and they found out that the dead were definitely still there. 
Oh, they didn't do anything with them? I mean, they... I'm so sorry, guys. Uh, so they quartered and then buried the bodies. Okay. So for anyone who doesn't know what that means, it literally means what you think it means. So they 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 quartered the bodies. They so cut them into four pieces? Four pieces. What is that? So like legs, torso. Well, I mean, if we go medieval. Yeah. Down yeah. the middle of your body, basically mm. from neck to navel. Or nose to navel, as they would say. Ugh. And then across your body again, probably under your ribcage. So literally quartering you sort of yep. down the center. Literally, co- yep, just chop, chop. Well, that's nasty as fuck. Yeah, and also, also doesn't even seem like the most efficient way to do that it's, at all. It's not. I would leave all the guts on the inside. I'd just chop off the limbs and the head, probably. I don't know why I've thought <laughs> this through. I just like your face through that. Of like, it was so serious at first, and you're like, "Oh my god, I'm actually saying this," and this is so gross. That's half this podcast. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so but great. Again, the number they're guessing is somewhere between 19 to 22 political prisoners were killed, and the first guess they had was 16, and that. Mm-mm. And they just kept finding more. They just kept finding more. Great. I mean. <laughs> You find four, you can assume you have a person, mm-hmm. but like you can't assume that you have the same person. Yeah, and I then can't... you can't assume that you might be missing a piece of another person. Oh, I can't imagine like the forensics team. Yeah, no thanks. Piecing these people mm-hmm. together literally. Yeah. Ugh. So there was a whole list of the names of the missing and suspected dead, but that was so much Portuguese. You guys. <laughs> Like, so much Portuguese, and I'm not even done with all the names yet. Right, okay. So, is it safe to say that most of these people were from that, I don't remember what it was, but that sort of rebel faction that Inez is from? Yeah, pretty much. Like, that's a pretty safe bet. Some were more well-known political figures in the revolution against the government. Others were not. But, like... Inez was high up in that organization. She was one of the leaders. Okay. I imagine that is just the most dangerous place to be. Yeah. And you just get there because people keep disappearing. Yeah. (laughs) So here's the thing with Inez. So there's some conflicting information because some of it says that she was tortured for three months but she was also then held prisoner for another eight years. So she was released in 1979. While she was in the torture center, they videotaped it. Like, everything. And, like, said that the video would be released to her colleagues if her handlers were unhappy with her efforts. And if she defected then like security officials would arrest her sister and shit like that like holding all of this crap over her head of like things that might happen or might not happen that's a nice family you have there yeah be ashamed if something happened to it (laughs) so she did release a memoir Ooh, it's in portuguese well yeah i mean i don't know if i'd want to read that if it was there might be an english translation But it did describe it, and she did go through talking about the torture. She was also raped and sexually humiliated, and then she did try to kill herself three separate times. While in the house? While being held prisoner for 96 days. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah. So in 2003, um, there was a guy that pretended to be a carpenter. That entered Inez's home and attacked her and left her with a traumatic brain injury. Jesus Christ. So she already went through all that shit in the 70s. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then again, poor Inez. But she lived. Mm -hmm. She got through it. But like after that, she couldn't really talk about it anymore. And they make a memorial that I'll talk about. With the house, they get permission to do all sorts of stuff with it. 
And then she dies in April of 2015 at the age of 72. Aw, rip Inez. So let's jump ahead. Mm hmm. So June 2012. Okay. Let's go back to Paolo Malaise, aka Dr. Diablo. Oh my god. They okay. all have code names, Taylor. I mean, I didn't know the other one, I, what Buckle that other one would mean. The fuck. Up. Everybody knows what the fuck Dr. Diablo means. Yeah. Like, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> He's horrible. So he <clears throat> admits that he had specially prepared this house to receive political prisoners and force them to turn into infiltrators and then send them back to their own organizations. He set up all of the guards he got the routine of the house set he even was part of people doing disguises to infiltrate including himself like at one point he was stuck pretending to be someone else for a little while in the in the rebel like, faction yeah. to like take them in okay yep. great yep and uh so every officer had to bring their own prisoner so byop <laughs> BYLP is the worst party rule. Listen, <laughs> at this point, I knew I was coming up on a whole bunch of Portuguese names. So I was just trying to delay the inevitable <laughs> by staring at that paragraph of my notes. <laughs> Until you came up with bring your own prisoner. BYOP. BYOP. <laughs> yeah. Great. Fab. Yeah. I'm like... So, so, yeah, they all had their own staff of sergeants and soldiers to work up prisoners individually. Great. Yeah. I, like, if you bring somebody in, is that, like, your special buddy to torture? <laughs> I guess so. What <laughs> a is your horrible buddy program. Oh, the worst. Like, I've been part of some bad buddy programs, but, like, that's just... <laughs> That's 80 different kinds of wrongs. This is the worst Big Brothers Big Sisters I've ever seen. Oh, God. <laughs> so, according to Paolo... Paolo. Paolo. <laughs> said the only mistake ever made in this house... What? Only mistake. Because he doesn't denounce the house and he doesn't denounce his actions. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. What's the mistake? They didn't do the dishes often enough? The mistake by the torturers who released Inez. Um, are you serious? Yeah. That's all he's upset about is like, well, we shouldn't have let that lady go, obviously. We should have killed her. Yeah. Oh, fuck you, Paolo. Yeah. And like, <laughs> she came out in 1979 after she was released and like, fucking talked. So it ended everything. And that's why he hates it? A little bit. I fucking hate this guy. Tell me he's in prison while he's saying all this. Emily, tell me he's so, in prison while he's saying all this. Under any other circumstances, God. a dictator government definitely could have like written off her words being like, she's crazy. This is just a house. We don't have any other houses like this. I mean, yeah, they control everything. Yeah. But Dr. Diablo himself corroborated it later. He, he did like, testify saying like, yeah. We did this thing. He spent five hours giving testimony. I bet he was fucking so proud There's of it. There's video of it on YouTube, but it didn't have English subtitles. Damn it. So it was just a weird looking old dude speaking gibberish in my ears. Saying what I can only assume was, yeah, it was like pretty sweet. We had a pretty dope yeah. setup. I was real proud of it. He confirmed the death of the first dude that I said. Carlos Alberto Suarez Jefritas. Amazing. Such a good name. Yeah. But then everybody else after that? No. Yeah. Including like a politician that they took named Hubens Pavia. Paiva. So they didn't give a shit who they took. No. They, as long as there was someone that opposed their government that they thought could be turned and pushed back in to infiltrate. And help further their agenda. Mm -hmm. Fine by them. Yeah. 
So 2014 comes along, and the names of five of the torturers who acted in the house were released to the public. So these are, um, I'm guessing, I'm just guessing, five of the best people who have ever lived. Oh, definitely. Do we get their code names? Yes. Yes. I was just taking a drink to prepare myself for the Portuguese. Oh, absolutely. And I believe in you so hard. So Army Colonel Ciro Echigoyen. Nice. Who was the counterintelligence chief of Army Information Center, which in Portuguese, the acronym was CIE. Codenamed Dr. Bruno. By the way, these people are not doctors. I believe that. I bet they wore white coats because they were gross about it. Probs. (laughs) Probably like some genetic repo opera. Right. Right. Why is he always carrying forceps? Because why not? Former Sergeant Hubens Gomez Carnero, who was codenamed Lecato. Um, And then Sergeant Jairo Giacanaconi. I believe it's pronounced Euro. <laughs> Get the fuck out. I'm sorry. Please continue. Codenamed Marcelo. This one doesn't get a doctor name? No. <laughs> this one also like doesn't even have a code name. Carlos Kisati, which looks like Quisak, but like that's fine. Kisati. Everything's okay. fine. And then Corporal Severino Manuel Siriaco. Codenamed Raul. <laughs> I mean, look, I get the ones where it's like, yeah, I'm Dr. Diablo. Like, that's my codename. Like, it means I something. I was super into the Fantastic Four. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's another word for you. When you just have your own name and then you go with just a different random name, it's like, my name's Taylor, but in this house... I'm going to go by Cassandra. Like, I can't, I don't understand the point of that. (laughs) Like, I have, I have a bar name that I go by if someone won't leave me alone. Oh, good. And they're asking for a name. I give them my bar name. Which is? Kate. Oh, that sucks for our friend Kate. I know. This was before (laughs) I knew a Kate. Can she give out the bar name, Emily? (laughs) This is... I can't support this. <laughs> I haven't used the bar name in years. Okay, fine. And I'll change it now need, that I know a Kate. You need a new bar name. Ooh. I, oh, God. If you guys want to help us give Emily a new bar name. Yeah. Please. Give me a new bar name. Something that sounds real, but also will be hysterical to us <laughs> on the inside. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So I made it through those names. You made it through. Go on. Wow. All right. So I I wrote into my notes. So after we pretend that I read all of that correctly. Uh, The magic of editing, you did. (laughs) Yeah. The dude that released Inez by accident was the first guy that I said, Echigoyen. Echigoyen. Which is already a weird name for looking at it. So it makes sense that the pronunciation is also super duper weird. Super weird. (laughs) So... He firmly believed that she'd actually become a double agent. Hmm. Like, he was... He was sold. Yeah, she fooled the shit out of him. Yeah, that little deception that she pulled, her little stunt, cost him the promotion to general. Whoops! Oopsie (laughs) daisy! Like, like, holy shit, bud. I just... Womp, womp. She must have been so good. Yeah. Oh my god. I can't even imagine. I can't even lie when somebody's like... Did you take that thing? No. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's true. Gonna... She's a really shitty liar. I'm super shitty at it. This woman is lying for her life right now that yeah. she believes the exact opposite of what she actually yeah. believes. She gets out and she's like, fuck that shit, I'm out. <laughs> awesome. So November of 2014 comes along. More than four decades after the torture house of doom. And the housekeeper is found. They track him down. Oh my god, they had a fucking like, cleaning dude? Yeah, who was also in the army. No, shocking. Yeah. <laughs> so he was a soldier of the army. Antonio Juanir Pinero Lima. Commonly known as 
Camarao. He had a code name, too. Totally fine. So the federal public prosecutor's office did the search for these people because, like, a formal investigation was opened up. Human rights delegation was formed. Yeah. They were like, okay, we we need to really actually look into this, guys. Hey, you heard about some conventions we done wrote up as a world a while back? You fucked with all of them. <laughs> Oopsie doodle buns, you just broke a bunch of international laws. It's, it's all fine. fine. It's Everything's fine. fine. So they interrogated him without torture, as far as I know. Because they're upstanding citizens. They don't want to sink to that level. Yeah. And they tried to get as much of the information about his participation in any torture events rather than just standing guard. Because Inez did name him as one of her rapists. Oh, okay. And he told prosecutors that he had only been the watchman on the estate. He didn't know what was going on inside the house. Oh, shut the fuck up, dude. He didn't know. Whatever, whatever your name is. <laughs> Camarao. Yeah, no, Um, you don't get a fun whimsical name, you douchebag. So, August 22nd, 2012, a decree was signed that initiated the expropriation of the house. Good. Which is Ish. the opposite of appropriation. Nobody wants this thing. <laughs> Except for the state. The state's sure. like, we want to take this thing from you, the individual mm. who owns this house. This is ours now. It's sort of like, it's like immigration versus emigration. Like, they are appropriating it, but because they're taking it from somebody else, it's being expropriated from them. Yep. English is weird. It super is. They got the house back, and they turned it into basically a memorial called the Memory, Truth, and Justice Center. Legit. I'm assuming they got all the dead bodies out before they did that. Nope. Actually, weirdly enough, they're all in a corner. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> so, February of 2014. God, this is so many words. The Minister of the Human Rights Secretariat of the Presidency of the Republic. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just do that. You can't just put them together that way. It's <laughs> too many of those. <laughs> Maria de Rosario. De Hi, Maria. Rosario. Maria, you know you need to shorten your shit. <laughs> so she made sure there was money to turn the house into a museum and tell the story of the resistance to a military dictatorship. Sweet. Now, I bet you thought I forgot about Paolo. Mm, I got I... to tell you. What happens to Paolo? I mean, as long as someone flays his dick right off, I'm good. That was a noise. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, please. Oh, please. Tell me, tell me something good. All right. So about three weeks after his testimony in 2014, mm -hmm. April 25th, 2014, he was found dead in his home with signs of asphyxiation. Mm -hmm. After three men broke into his house. Awesome. He died definitely under suspicious circumstances. Oh, yeah, no shit, huh? Because he drew the attention of the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights, Ravina Shamdasani, Shamdasani, um, who then wanted to do a full investigation into his death to make sure it wasn't a murder. The autopsy determined that he died of a heart attack. While being asphyxiated. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. No, that doesn't happen but sometimes. But it was ruled. It was, it was not ruled an act of retaliation. According to the South China Morning Post. So I don't know how accurate that one is. Hey, South China Morning Post. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> You're very far away from Brazil. Anyway, whatever. But like he, <laughs> when he testified on March 25th, he definitely admitted to what he did. Definitely he was wasn't unapologetic sorry. about it. Yeah. So somebody was like, yeah, no, I'm going to find that guy. Somebody was listening because he was naming some names. Well, if this woman is the commissioner for human rights, she's probably like, hey, 
Just go check out if this seems suspicious. And if it does, I want you to tell me it doesn't seem suspicious. I'm not We're investigating this. this under the rug. He's dead a good. <laughs> Ding dong, the witch dad. He's a fucking war criminal. Yeah. And for timeline things, he did start talking in 2012. And then the formal testimony was in 2014. Okay. In case anyone's trying to keep up with timelines because i said 2012 and then i said 2014 and everything got confusing i feel you i mean these things take time like legal processes yep. and shit are really slow yeah especially with war crimes yeah i'm sure there's a bunch of courts that gotta see that yep. shit yeah yep. and a bunch of paperwork right <laughs> just so, so much yeah he just like he confirmed everything and he called the house of death a safe house for you you motherfucker god yeah what a dick. So, yeah. That's, uh, that's the story of Inez. Hey, she survived Inez. survived a bunch of shit. And then survived more shit in 2003. Seriously. Thank you, um, Inez. Yeah. Everything I could find on her obviously was in Portuguese. One fun fact about the Google Translate for Portuguese into English. Mm -hmm. It doesn't understand pronouns <laughs> very well. Yeah. So... Somehow it was translating it, the word it in Portuguese to mm -hmm. her. So Great. when it was say like they were inside of it, referring to the house, it was like inside her. <laughs> and inside her, many people died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was actually like one of the sentences of like stored inside her were 22 bodies. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> Google. Google, please. <laughs> this is not helpful. Well. So, yeah. Fuck Paolo Goinez. Yep. Okay. So, remember when I said I'm doing a thing? Because you said this was an escape from a house of death. Yeah. I didn't know what that meant at all. I was nope. kind of picturing like a serial killer. Yeah. So, when I picked this, I was like, like I'm also going to do this. Yeah. I was also, like, going to do an escape. That was the only thing. And I was like, this probably isn't going to match up to yours in any way other than that. Whoops. Not, not, not true. Um, <laughs> Didn't not, we have another, like, weird psychic Vulcan like a, mind meld? Like, a little bit. Like, the military does have to do with this one, too. Like, it's any hmm. who's it's. So this is the story of the Great Escape. This happened in 1944, and it's called that for a number of reasons. First of all, because there is a book about it and then a movie about it by the same name. <laughs> we'll talk about that. But yeah, it is known as The Great Escape, and it is the POW escape of the Stalag Luft III. <laughs> dry, I guess, in German. Eins, zwei, yeah. dry. Yeah. So it's World War II, people. It's World War II. It's a rough time. It's all happening. Mm, the so Nazis. Much. So much. So many. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> the Nazis, they have camps all over the place. They got camps for their own people whom they don't like. They got, they got camps for camps. They got camps made out of other camps. They have camps for POWs. And this is one of those. The Stalag Luft Dry 3... Roman numerals. <laughs> it literally meant main camp air three. Okay. They were not big on like creative names, unlike your people. <laughs> Obviously, they were being very. No Dr. Diablo in here. No, just. Fine. Just. Just mango. The driest maybe. shit. <laughs> um, this was a Luftwaffe run POW camp. The Luftwaffe, for those who do not know, is the German Air Force or was the German. I don't know if they still call it that. It was the Nazi German Air Force at the time anyway. So at the time, the Germans, their section of the army, whatever section of the army you were in, you were responsible for looking after the POWs in the corresponding part of the army of like other countries. This um, super great place, Stalag. I'm just going to call it Stalag. Okay. Um, it is it was established in 1942 in Silesia, which is 150 miles southeast of Berlin. So defo in actual Germany. Um, eventually, the camp grew to approximately 60 acres. And 
Um, it housed about 200 and, let's see, 2,500 Royal Air Force officers, 7,500 U.S. Army Air Forces, and 900 officers from the other Allied Air Forces, a total of over 10,000 inmates, all from other countries that they were just like, Haha, well, we knocked down your plane out of the sky, and you didn't die, so you're here now. Congrats. Welcome. <clears throat> yeah, have, have a fun. Basket. Hi. Yeah, here's a basket. It has nothing in it. Womp womp. You're lucky we didn't shoot you. We're the Nazis. <laughs> Anywho. <clears throat> Holy shit. <laughs> um, this is one of my favorite things about this. The camp's location was specifically chosen because of the sandy soil, which would make it difficult for the POWs to tunnel out of there. So naturally, this place became the site of Two of the most famous tunneling escape attempts fucking ever. Of course. <laughs> like, literally a, here, hold my beer. Right. They were like, well, we must put it over here. <laughs> They'll never get out. They'll never get out of the cysts. It's all sand. They can't. And everyone else in the world was like, fucking watch. Oh my God. <laughs> Do you like, oh my, my God. you like my really bad German Dude, accent? <laughs> your hand as you did it. Your entire posture changed. <laughs> that's my that's my german guy okay, the german cool. guy that lives inside cool. of me oh um the first one that i am not covering the first um tunneling escape attempt is called the wooden horse there was also a movie made out of it they just like found there's like a weird wo wooden horse statue and they dug a tunnel underneath it and then they got the fuck out. I don't know much about Did that one. They learned not... nothing from Troy. Like, <laughs> why like... would you keep a wooden horse anywhere near a place you don't want people to escape or sneak out or be creative? I know. This is kind of my favorite thing. Is like it's almost the opposite of Troy. They're using a wooden horse to escape a place, yeah. <laughs> going out instead of in. Yeah. <laughs> Any who's it's. The one I'm covering is, of course, known as the Great Escape, largely because it was a big fucking ordeal. And it was a great escape. Yes. And it was. It was a... Well, okay. We'll go over how good it actually was. But <laughs> um, one of the survivors that I'm going to talk about, his name was Paul Brickhill. He was an Australian airman. Uh, he wrote the book that would eventually be called The Great Escape that would make the movie called The Great Escape. So... Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, the movie starred Steve McQueen. So just, you know, just like put that in your fucking brain. Yeah. At one point in the movie, Steve McQueen rides a motherfucking motorcycle over a wall to escape. So this isn't that. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is nothing like this. <laughs> Do not watch that movie and think I got it. I know everything about this. I totally about this. understand this. I yeah. get it now. <laughs> I could write a book report. <laughs> That'd be one fucked up book report. Right. So, the plan. The camp housed four compounds. The North Compound held mostly British airmen. Royal Air Force Squadron leader Roger Bushell lived in the North Compound, and he was the leader of what the men called the Escape Committee. <laughs> You oh know, God. the committee to they escape. formed committees. The committee for escaping. Like, it's not even like a good name. That's not one you can say nope. out loud. No. Escape committee meeting? We all meeting for the I was the secretary escape? on the escape committee. <laughs> okay, I should say, I was like pretty pissed when I first learned this because I was like, really, you're not going to use a code. You're going to call yourselves the escape committee, you fucking idiots. Turns out they did also call themselves X organization. And Roger Bushell, because he was their leader, was called Big X. Sounds dirty as fuck to me, just an FYI. <laughs> Bushel said at one of their meetings okay. when he was announcing his plan, this was ultimately his plan. Yeah. Everyone here in this in this room is living on borrowed time. By rights we should all be dead. In North Compound, we are concentrating our efforts on completing and escaping through one master tunnel. There can only be one. There can only be one master tunnel. <laughs> Three bloody deep, bloody long tunnels will be dug. Tom, Dick, and Harry. One will succeed. That's right. The plan was to dig three tunnels. The tunnels were named Tom, Dick, and Harry. <laughs> I just... <laughs> like, this is the time when like history is like better than a thing I could have just made up. Like, I think that's hysterical. I couldn't have come up with that. I actually also really like that because it means they can walk around camp referring to the tunnels by first names 
Or if they want to refer to all three of them, it just sounds like they're saying an old timey phrase. <laughs> How about Tom, Dick, and Harry? <laughs> I heard that coming along just fine. <laughs> like <laughs> anyway. I'm done shitting on them now. They're actually quite ingenious. I'll tell you why in just a second. All in all, 600 men ended up involved somehow in creating the tunnels. The plan was to get 200 men out in one escape attempt. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's an load of people. Especially with all that sand. Yes. So let's talk about that. So some general tunnel facts. <laughs> I mean, about these tunnels. I'm not, I didn't just like look up tunnels on Wikipedia and like go. Tunnels are holes underground. Tunnels tend to be dug by animals. No. Um, they so... burrow for warmth. <laughs> <laughs> they burrow for warmth. <laughs> That's my documentary voice. Do you like it? It was very good. Thank you. Fucking David Attenborough bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Each tunnel was about 30 feet straight down. Oh. Holy shit. Ow. 30 feet. That's like a bunch of dudes. That's a bunch of feet. Yeah. Possibly literally. Yeah. So before they ever started digging outward, 30 feet straight down, and they were only two feet square. It's two feet by two feet. Just a fucking tiny little, you can barely crawl through it because you're an army man and you got shoulders. Like. No, thank you. Yes. So very small, very deep. To make these tunnels, the men scavenged pieces of wood from all over the camp to hold the walls as they dug. Because, like, remember, like, the shit is essentially sand. So they're, like, putting planks up as they go. And, like, eventually it's all just sort of one wood tunnel. It's super crazy. They used to take the wood slats from underneath their, like, beds, underneath their mattresses. Every bed had 20 wood slats. They left eight for each man. Everything else got reappropriated. They were that precise about everything. Every scrap they had, sometimes they would just, they just disassembled some beds, and I don't even know where those people slept anymore. <laughs> they just got a cuddle puddle. We, so cuddle. Yeah, they just had a little cuddle puddle. So cuddle. It's totally fine. It's <laughs> getting ugly. Jimmy, you're bunking with me now. We need your bed. It's for the escape committee. I mean. <laughs> Wait, wonk. <laughs> it's for Tom or Dick or Harry. We haven't decided. <laughs> More cool shit they did. They scavenged materials like tin, uh, like tin cans to fashion shovels and lamps, which they fueled by using the fat they skimmed off of the soup they were fed. Oh. What? Like, these men are amazing. Okay. As the tunnels... I mean, sure. I mean, that's crazy. That's, we... that's crazy. That's fucking crazy. I'm so proud of them. They're amazing. They're doing so good. As the tunnels got longer, they even built ventilation systems and then had, like, fucking automatic pumps they built to actively pump fresh air in as they're making them. It's crazy. Last thing I want to mention about their innovations, because this is my favorite part. As they dug, they would stick the sand that they were accumulating, because they had nowhere to put it, into little knapsacks in their pants that were made out of, like, towels and stuff. And then, as they walked around on the surface, just in the camp, just walking around like dudes do, the sand would fall out of their pants a little bit at a time and distribute evenly throughout the camp so no one would notice. There's no big piles of sand. They're uh, leaving nothing behind. I'm so proud of them. Wow. They're, it's fucking awesome. Can you imagine, though, like somebody put just too much sand in one place and they stand up to start walking around and then it just looks like they just like pooped sand. Oh, yeah. They definitely pants. have like a big old butt bulge or maybe they have just like the weirdest direction of all time. <laughs> like, yeah. But the thing is, anybody, any of the 600 men in on this would be like, Jerry, get that sand out a little bit faster, huh? You look crazy. Can you jump a little bit? <laughs> pretend to do some jumping jacks. Just a little bit, though. Like maybe do some over here, walk over there, do some over there. <laughs> just, jump, just jump across camp. No one will know. Hey, hey. We're the escape committee. We're very secretive. <laughs> we scream. <laughs> we scream <laughs> Out in the middle in the of nowhere. Daytime. Yeah. <laughs> Gestapo everywhere. Anyway. <clears throat> anyway, so they're fucking nuts. Um, but they're being very smart about this. Our two, two of our, anyway, good, good survivors, both Australian, both named Paul. Whoa. I apologize for that. I did not mean this to happen. There's just a if lot of information. If your name is Paul, you yeah. will survive this story. Exactly. Hello, Paul. Just not Paolo. Not Paolo. No, fuck that guy. This mm -hmm. is an Australian version of that. Two Pauls, both alike in dignity. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Paul Royale, his main job was sand distribution, like I said, using his pants, but he also pitched in digging at times. Paul Brickhill, who I have already mentioned as the writer of The Great Escape, he was pretty much a, a digger for a long time until he like got so freaked out by the cramped conditions, he started to like develop claustrophobia, which, you know, I never really... It can happen. Oh, I believe that. I'd never really thought of a phobia as being something that's like, no, I have this because I was forced to do this a bunch. But he got it real bad. So eventually he was taken off of that and asked to go just be what was called a stooge, which is a lookout. Um, He helped any way he could. That was kind of everybody's thing. So the first of the three tunnels, Tom... Uh, began in a darkened corner next to a stove chimney in hut one two three and extended west into the forest dick had its entrance <laughs> i wish they had taken dick i'm so sad they didn't take dick anyway we'll get to that dick's entrance was hidden in a drain sump in the washroom of hut one two two and had the most secret trap door harry which began in hut 104 went under um they like a German administration area Whoa. and under the sick hut and under the isolation cells to emerge at the woods on the northern edge of camp. The entrance to Harry was hidden under a stove. So they've got three tunnels in three different places. All their entrances are hidden. They start digging in April of 1943 and then they worked until on all the tunnels sort of equally until in May they decided to focus all their um, time and effort on Tom. He seemed like the best bet. <laughs> he seemed like the best tunnel they had. Tom was a safe bet. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, for our very subtle boys, Tom was discovered by their German captors and dynamited to smithereens. Whoopsie-daisy. Bye-bye, Tom. Turned out it was because they were going too fast and they couldn't get rid of the sand fast enough without people noticing. So they were like, hey, what the fuck? Why do you have so much sand in your pants? <laughs> and then they found Tom. <clears throat> they still had Dick and Harry, though. Mm -hmm. But then it turned out that Dick was set to reemerge in the surface in an area that was appropriated for the expansion of the camp. So they were going to make the camp bigger, and Dick would have come up right in the middle of that. So could you imagine digging a tunnel and it's slow as fuck and it takes months and you don't exactly know where you're going to end up and you, like, come to the surface and you're still in the fucking camp? You're like, just on the other side. Right. Like, and there's I would... someone, like, building a prison hut and just looks at your head in the sand, like... Excuse me. Hello? <laughs> Excuse <Hello>? me. <laughs> what are you doing? Fascistas. <laughs> <sighs> so that wasn't good either. So that left Harry... After the discovery, of, the discovery of Tom, they stopped work on Harry until January of 1944, just to be safe. Sure. And then, on March 14th, 1944, almost a full year after they had started digging all the tunnels, the Harry Tunnel was complete. Wow. That's some commitment. I know. I mean, they didn't really have much else going on. They were POWs. Hey, listen. <laughs> Look. They stuck with it. I mean... They deserve they some praise. Did, they did things. Anyway, <clears throat> and now on to the night of the escape. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> that was the Inception <laughs> drums in my mind, I think. <laughs> on the night of March 24th, 1944, the soldiers decided to make their move. Roger Bushel, or Big X. Big X. He told everybody, all right, tonight's the night. Get cracking. Whoa. Like, just... That's they, a motivational speech if I've ever heard one. Like, they literally had the shortest meeting of the escape committee ever. He went, boom, go, and everyone bye. was like, bye. Um, in addition to the tunnels, the men had forged travel permits. They had stockpiled civilian clothing, so they had, like, a rough number of outfits for a certain number of people. They had created over 4,000 maps and fabricated 500 compasses. Wow. They were ready to fucking go. These are 600 little malnourished MacGyvers. Like, I don't even know how they did this. And, like, not even all of them are expecting to get out. No! this is It's 200 dudes. They way overmade things just in case. It's really rad. And especially since, yeah, 600 people work on, worked on it. 400 knowing they were not going to get out. Everybody's real cool at war times, I think. Mm, <laughs> not everybody. 
Okay, well, people in POW camps who are on the same side are cool at war times. <laughs> they have. Okay, look, you weren't there. <laughs> There's probably one douchebag named Todd, <laughs> but like, he's not on the list. Anyway, they have a hierarchy for who leaves in what order. <laughs> Those with the best civilian costumes would leave first. They also got less money and, like, fewer forged papers. Did they have, like, a competition? I don't know how they decided. It never like, said. Like, DIY your escape outfit. Right. We're gonna vote. If you can make it work, you can have this amount of money. <laughs> like, yeah. I have no fucking clue. I wish I figured it out, because it seems like everyone was much more reasonable reasonable about it than I would imagine most people like, would did be. Did they, like, make a little runway with flashlights? I like... fucking hope so. No, I'm picturing it. German, like, what's going on here? Was nothing? ist das? Nothing? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Sorry, my dude. All right. So, um, yeah, so the people who looked the most like civilians, they rationalized, didn't need as much money, didn't need as many fake paper sort of things, because they would just be accepted as civilians and allowed on a train, which is where they were trying to get to a train station nearby. The people who had sort of... Like, maybe a couple articles of clothing here and there. Mostly they looked like fucking prisoners of war. They had hella forged papers with different names on them. They yeah. had more money. And they also came with, like, bedrolls and stuff. Because they imagined they might be stuck in the woods for days longer than the people with good clothing. Yeah. So these people are seriously planning for fucking everything. <laughs> They're doing their goddamn best. Paul Brickhill... The survivor that I mentioned who has the horrible claustrophobia. He was asked not to participate in the escape. That makes sense. Yeah. They thought his panic might prevent others from leaving quickly. So he stayed behind. Which, like, again, everybody sounds very reasonable. I can't imagine he wanted to go back in the tunnel after all that, so. No. Sorry, Paul. Yeah, prison seems better than a tiny tunnel right? to him, probably. Yeah. So they have supper. They they have their meeting. They decide they're going to leave. They eat supper, which is apparently totally silent. And the cigarette smoke is so thick because everyone's freaking out. Um, and then some men start taking strategic stations as lookouts in different part of, parts of the camp. Um, 200 escapees, the ones who know they're going to be going. There's a list, so they know. Um, they start sort of heading slowly 30 seconds at a time indirectly to where the opening of harry the tunnel is um a lot of them are on sort of like standby and like people will come and get them when they're on deck like it's that fucking organized <laughs> like did anyone fart in the tunnel you know people farted in the tunnel i don't have any like evidence dinner. but yeah they probably aren't eating great and they're probably all very nervous. <laughs> nervous farts are they're, the worst. It's, they're farting in each other's faces the whole way. So anyway, yeah, they get checked off a motherfucking list, and then they get in the goddamn tunnel. By 10.15 at night, um, there's a bunch of people in there. Everybody who can fit is positioned in the tunnel. Some people are still waiting on standby. It's, it's still only maybe a dozen men or so. The first man breaks through the top of the, the outside of the tunnel... The other end that they've never broken through before because you can't just do that. There's a <laughs> hole then and everybody sees it. So this is the first time they're seeing where they're coming up because it's all guesswork. And the engineers making the tunnels were like, I think this is where it will end up. Well, unfortunately, the surveyors and the engineers, they had made an error. Uh-oh. The tunnel did not end at the tree line where it was supposed to um, because the whole point was to get tunnel under the gate all the way to the tree line so that they had cover as soon as they started running and no one would see them. Instead, the tunnel ends just outside the gate, several feet before the tree line, and there's a guard tower right fucking there. <laughs> like, so they argue. It is dark, by the way. So, like, it's actually pretty hard to see regardless, but this is not ideal. So they're in this tiny tunnel arguing with each other about whether they should wait try to dig more of the tunnel, wait another month, or make a break for it. And the problem is, all their forged documents are date-stamped. So oh, if they, shit. If, if they, they wait, wait a month, they have to do it all again. Yeah, it's all it's all for nothing. So oh. they decide they're going to go fuck for it. Fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. They have no other shot. So a ton of shit ends up holding them up. It just, like, people with stuff they're carrying, it takes them longer 
one or two at a time to get out of the tunnel than it should. Um, so by 5 a.m., 87 men have made it through. And the soldiers on the inside decide that no more will try. That's it. Yeah. That's all they have time for. It's 5 in the morning. It's light now. <laughs> like, this is it. Um, so they close down the tunnel on that end. At 5.15 in the morning, a German sentry walking in the forest outside the camp sees a POW emerging from the tunnel. Uh-oh. Yeah, he's one of the last guys to try to get out. And he sees him. So the German sentry fires his gun and shouts for help. And a horde of German soldiers just come running. They start from, they, they were all searching the woods. They just do that. And suddenly they are upon these guys. Four men are immediately caught just in the mouth of the tunnel. They were just there. They pull them up and they take them back into the camp. Meanwhile, the German soldiers inside the camp round up all the suspected escape attempters and make an inventory of all the stuff they had stolen and repurposed to make the tunnel, which... Oh, shit, that's is, a lot of stuff. I didn't put it all here because, seriously, though, like, it's, like, 1,000 bedposts. Like, just, like, so much shit. <laughs> wow. And here's the shitty part, though. German soldiers who had been bought off not to report these things were found and killed. Like, yeah. you can't even... Even their own people, it's like, you should have said something. Mm-hmm. Bullet to the head. So a little bit of the aftermath. In all, 76 men made it through the tunnel. So there were still that many, you know, the 87 were in the tunnel total, but only 76 made it out before Gestapo came and found them. Within the first couple of days of the escape attempt, 73 of them were caught and brought back to the camp. Oh. For those of you doing the math along at home, that means only three people got out scot-free. They probably had nice clothes. I pro- probably, there were probably two of the, or mm-hmm. three of the, like, first, first people. Yeah. I found nothing on those people. I do want to say that. Like, I looked forever. Listen, they probably got out. And were never and fucking. Were never fucking heard from again. Right. They changed they their names. They started a new life. Uh-huh. They moved. Like, they were out. All I know, it was one Dutch man and two never- Netherlanders. I do not know. Like, I mean, they were, it wasn't the Netherlands then, but still. But it's fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, it's, it's three people total. Everybody else was rounded up and brought back to the camp. Many of them, like Paul Royal and Paul Brickhill, our two survivors, are sent to other camps eventually. They sort of split up this group. Well, it was a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure not everybody was uh, treated that way. In fact, I know for sure they weren't. Big X, Roger Bushel, he was shot outside the camp by a German officer. Mm. I know, unfortunate. Hitler, hearing about this and being not happy, it is also the final full year of the war, so it's not going good for him. And he's also crazy on what is essentially meth, if anybody is not aware of that story. That's the best. His his bunker time is coming soon. Oh, bunker time is here, my friends. Um, So Hitler hears about this massive escape attempt, and he orders SS head Himmler, Mm. Heinrich Himmler, to execute half of all the attempted escapees. All in all, 50 men were executed of all the people who actually made it into the tunnel and wow. tried to escape. Paul Brickhill, who was eventually liberated from a different camp at the end of the war in 1945, went on to write the book, like I mentioned, and then his book was turned into that sweet, sweet movie. My th- One of my favorite things, Paul Royale fucking hated that movie. <laughs> he mentioned it in one of his, a uh, couple of um, interviews he did for the 70th anniversary of this a few years back. The movie I disliked intensely because there were no motorbikes and the Americans weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, uh, yeah, the Americans actually had an entirely separate part of camp. They were in no way a part of this. No. <laughs> like, whoopsie doodles. No. So Steve McQueen suck my dick. Um, uh, Paul Royale died at the age of 101 in August of 2015. Oh, shit. Yeah. He was the second to last survivor of the escape. The last survivor is, as far as I know, maybe still alive. He was still alive as of March 2017, and I couldn't find Mm. anything on him. His name is Dick Churchill. Fabulous name. He was one of the men who was rounded back up, but then was not chosen to be killed by Himmler. So mm. he was around for that, but got lucky. I have one final quote from Paul Royale. While we all hoped for the future, 
We were lucky to get the future. We eventually defeated the Germans, and that was that. <laughs> Look, I these incredibly practical men are my new heroes. <laughs> Just like, yeah, dude. Oh my God. You fucking killed it. Um, it's the most well organized thing that didn't work at all that I've ever heard of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They tried really hard. They tried and so they hard. Committed. Yes. I mean, all the planning, all the stuff Forging, they had to do. The building, the sacrifices. Right. Just the, the organization. Literally the... just for one fuck up they couldn't prevent. Right. Something they never could have really foreseen because they don't have all the information going in when you're building a fucking tunnel. Like, oh, I feel so bad for them. But, like, a lot of these people did end up getting liberated eventually, like a year later. Unfortunately for those 50 people, though, they did not make it out. That was shitty. Yeah. But, yeah. Himmler was also an asshole. I'm surprised he didn't kill everyone. Um, yeah. Fuck that guy. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, Paolo. Fuck you too, bud. I hope you find Himmler in hell. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. <laughs> but yeah, that is the story of The Great Escape. Did it share a theme, sort of? I mean, it Mass was like... casualty. Yeah, and like military-run yeah. things you're escaping from. And Germany. Yeah, and some German influences everywhere. Yeah. Spring time. Mine never would have happened if a German-Brazilian military sympathizer didn't own a house. Right. That could be used. Super weird. And mine never would have happened if Hitler wasn't a douche. They should have just let him paint. We they should never have just dropped let him in the river. Him paint. He wasn't that good, but like, who is? <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> um, yeah, so we already told you about our fucking Facebook page. Just a reminder. Go see that. Like hey, it. Hey, look, we did a thing. I made a banner. You should, it's yeah. Real pretty. You should rate us. If you haven't already subscribed to us on iTunes or whatever you get your podcast SoundCloud. on. SoundCloud. I don't know if you can subscribe on SoundCloud. You, I think you can follow the channel. Okay. You should do that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Whatever you want. We would love to hear from you. You can always get a hold of us on our Twitter. Uh-oh, Feeling Cast. Right. On our, Twitter. Yeah, on Twitter. Um, And our email, which is uh-oh.dailygravy at gmail.com. And our Instagram. Uh-oh, Feeling? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why did we make this so hard on ourselves? I don't know. Oh, but that, yeah, that's all for us. We will be back in another two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for episode 24. 24. We'll see you soon. I'll make a new song for that one. Please don't. Nope. Okay. Uh, And I'm uh, pressing unrecord. Nope. Nope. I got it. Nope. Bye. This has been a Daily Gravy production. Thanks for listening.